back here, would it still would it still record? You should sit a bit closer to the microphone. Ugh. Can you just put it on my lap? No, should I really be closer? Just do what you want. That's fine. I'll come closer. Stop it. You're going to be so annoyed when I leave this in. When you Don't leave it in. <laughs> Don't leave it in. Look at Felgen. Don't leave it in, please. Stop trying to be Mark Wahlberg. Are you guys doing? No, you're not trying to be Mark Wahlberg. You're trying to be the guy that's pretending to be Mark Wahlberg on Who? that show. Mark. <laughs> I hate you. Look at Felgen. Stop. Hello everyone, Michael and Elizabeth here with Friends Till the End, your episode-by-episode episode guide to the the wonderful friend-filled sitcom that is Friends. We were back with the Central Perk gang once again to sit down and watch an episode. We're in, still in season one, we've just watched episode six, The One with the Butt, which premiered on October 27th, 1994. <gasps> my That's my, your birthday! Yeah, my ninth birthday. I turned nine oh. on this day. Uh, to 18.2 million viewers. Was this a classic episode for you, Elizabeth? No. You were really struggling with this one. I didn't like it. It was just kind of boring compared to the others. We'll maybe get into that in a little bit more detail. Was there something specifically that you, you didn't like about it? Um, no. I just, I just thought the whole thing was just kind of boring. Boring. It started off really well. I was interested in in the, in the opening scene, but it just uh, didn't do it for me that much. I don't know why. Well, did you notice anything in particular about the, the, the pre-credit scene? No. Anything that caught your eye? Uh, uh, it, it was the first time that we had pre-credits that wasn't in the coffee shop. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, we had a scene where they weren't sitting around drinking coffee and, and, and talking about, you know, like comparing penis sizes or talking about multiple orgasms or anything like that. Well, they, they were they, sitting around in a theater talking about whatever. They were just waiting for Joey's play to start. Yeah. The the for the yeah to to kind of set the scene. It opens in this little theater off Broadway, probably a couple of rows of like fold out chairs. Off off off, off, off Broadway. Off Broadway. I think they were in New uh, Newark. Rather oh, they were in New, New Jersey. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know, but it looked very small theater, a couple of rows. Uh, I don't know if that was just a budget choice or if they wanted to, to show that Joey hasn't really hit the big town time yet. Oh, I thought it was actually uh, very realistic for a struggling Well, you would actor. know, being in the biz yourself. No, no, I think for a starving artist, that's, you know, he's only gotten into a few shows, anything. I mean, he's the lead in this play, so anything he would take, mm -hmm. especially since this one kind of led him to something bigger. Well, yes, and that's what we're going to get into uh, as we go into that. Um, but I guess really the button that the episode opens with, I think Rachel is quite keen for the play. She's excited to see him, but she's she's not jaded by having seen some of Joey's plays before. Um, everyone else is kind of a little bit more weary and wary mm. about it. And then the show opens, and it, it's a musical about the life of, of Sigmund Freud. Indeed. I think that would appeal to another another sitcom character that we're very fond of. I think old Fraser Crane would enjoy oh, sitting down and watching a musical about Sigmund Freud. Probably would. So it opens with this unspeakably bad um, song about women wanting penises or something like that. No, right. it's not what it was All about. All right, what was it about? Tell I don't know. It was, it was just kind of introducing it that it was about Sigmund Freud in general. And he was singing. And, you know, he's a pretty serious man, historically. So it was kind of silly. It probably would have done very well if it was a straight play and not a musical. But, you know, it just shows it was probably an original piece that mm -hmm. Joey got cast into. And it was as the lead. That was a really big deal. 
but no, it was just kind of silly. Now you've trod the boards before, and you've you've directed a a, a play or two in your day. How would you rate Joey's acting abilities in that little <laughs> snippet that we get of him? It's only just for a couple of seconds. I thought pretty pretty good until he started getting up there dancing and singing away. Really, as a director, you wouldn't have asked him to like tone down the accent a little bit, or mm. you know, he started like this is very interesting. I mean, maybe a bit, but it, this stage was so dark. I would probably speak to the lighting designer first before I go into him. Yeah, fair enough. So that launches us into the opening credits, which we've spoken about before, but you, you, you noticed something something new about the, the opening credits this time around. I did? Yeah, with the characters being introduced. Oh, that they're alphabetical. Yeah, they're alphabetical. Right, right, right. I mean, good job. It only took you six episodes to notice that. I mean, it's... Well, normally I skip the opening credits because I uh, hate them. Well, we're not going to be doing that. We have to enjoy the episode in all its splendor. Yes, yes. And just as well, because you caught this little nugget that, that it's listed in alphabetical order. Well, and it makes sense. It does make sense, and it works out quite nicely as well, because all the all the ladies come first, and then it's all the all the gentlemen as well. I mean, I guess, but it's just... But that's the way it just worked. It just uh. worked out that way. I, ju- I just think it's quite nice. There's almost a sort of symmetry to it. Oh, okay. You, I didn't notice your... that it was all girls and then all yeah, girls. Yeah, it was but... Aniston and Cox and Kudrow, and then oh, yeah. LeBlanc, LeBlanc, Perry, and, and Schwimmer. I didn't notice that, but I did notice they're alphabetical, yeah. and I liked that choice. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Because no one's more important than anyone else. Well, you think that's what they're trying to portray? Mm-hmm. It's interesting that you 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 feel that way. I I feel like the first five episodes were definitely building to like some big. I, like I I feel like Ross and Rachel have been portrayed as more important than the other characters. Well, they have a a larger plot line right mm-hmm. now. They have a real the Ross and Rachel relationship. <laughs> no, and and Joey's starting to get his his uh, episodes more often and Chandler is sprinkled throughout and so is Phoebe. Mm. Phoebe's kind of the one that's a little bit left behind right now. Yeah, we were worried about Joey for the first few episodes. He didn't really have a plot, but he had he had something last episode with Monica and this one he's got he's got his own little plot line. Look yeah. at look at our boy Joey growing up, getting getting a fleshed out character all yeah, of a sudden. Good for him. He's good. So the play is bad. Mm-hmm. Um we can kind of accept that. Uh the Everyone tries to, you know, kind of sugarcoat it and be like, oh, yeah, you can sing and dance. It's good. Good for you. Uh, so bad play, but something good comes out of it. He does. He gets an agent from it. He does. Which yeah. kind of propels us forward into to his storyline arc. But also at the theater, Chandler seems quite enamored by a, a, a woman sitting on her own in the, in the front row of this theater at the play. And he goes mm-hmm. over and he introduces himself in, in classic Chandler garb where he's kind of just babbling and he's he's a, i guess that's where his charm is isn't it where he's like just kind of talking randomly and making weird jokes and i mean he's a comedian mm. you know that's his shtick well he hides behind that mm-hmm. really yeah but, but it seems to work you know he introduces her, himself to this this exotic woman aurora um like sleeping beauty oh is it mm-hmm. that's her name oh is it okay. aurora yeah. uh, played by sophia My- <laughs> milos or milos he thinks it's gone quite badly, and he sort of excuses himself, and he's like, "Okay, I'll leave you alone now." But she she calls him back, and he gets her her number, and, and yeah, he's he's very pleased with himself, old old Chandler. Yeah, but she has some some people on the side there, doesn't she? Or maybe he's on the side. I don't know. Yeah, well, that's something that that's kind of the main arc of their relationship. You know, they, I I have to say, I did kind of associate with Chandler when he was like kind of plucking up the nerve to, to talk to Aurora and then someone's given him a pep talk where it's like 
oh, you know, you see these beautiful women with these nothing guys, you know, you could be that nothing guy. And you know, that, that was something that, that speaks to me. I, I can't think why, but that's, I, I, I could really get behind that, you know. Here's, here's to Chandler and, and batting out of your league. Good for him. She's a lucky lady, whoever you're referring to. <laughs> yeah. Well, at any, any rate, um, yeah, they go on a date, and yes. it goes very well. Told in flashback, as Re- Chandler is recounting to the rest of them in Central Perk. Uh, but then it's revealed that, that she has a husband. Yes, and Chandler assumes that either she's divorced or she's widowed, but turns out that seems like her and her husband just have an open relationship. Hmm. Yeah. So she has this husband, Rick. Oh, you made a note of the name? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because then they're chatting more, and you think, well, that's bad, I suppose. But then it, it comes, you know, Chandler asks, oh, well, how does he feel about you coming out with me? And she goes, ah, I, I guess he's okay with it, because he's okay with, with Ethan. Yeah, her boyfriend. Oh, God, so yeah. <laughs> it's a real uh, party of four going on there. Yeah, and they mentioned something about that being every guy's fantasy. Yeah. I don't I don't really here. know why. Well, I don't know. I was going to ask your opinion on that. Is that is that every guy's fantasy or really is that every girl's oh, fantasy? Oh yeah, every guy fantasizes about being with a beautiful woman and two other guys. Well, no, I think it's more it's it's their fantasy because it's just a purely sexual relationship. Yeah. I'd say uh yeah, like it's a and then you don't have like the complicated relationships mm-hmm. stuff of it as well. It's it's a it's a fuck buddy relationship basically. And so is that every guy's fantasy? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, if you're a twenty-something single living in New York, yeah, it's pretty maybe. good, I guess. You know, and you know, Chandler's been established as being pretty unlucky in love. You know, I, I feel like he would be happy enough with that for the. T- I don't. Know. I mean, to me, it sounds like every girl's fantasy. She has her cake and can eat it too. She yes. has a husband who she has for all those you know logistical things. She has a boyfriend now. She has this fuck buddy. No, no, but, but you don't understand, Elizabeth. The fact that she is a woman and she has multiple partners, she's a whore. Oh. Chandler, Chandler can play the field. He can play that? the field. Wait. It's a double standard. Double standard, thank yeah. you. Oh, double standards are fine. It means you have twice as many as everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so anyway, oh, she's... You. Yeah, so Aurora's having her cake and eating it too. Chandler is seemingly quite happy with this setup, or or is he? Um, no, I think he starts to kind of fall for her. Yeah. And then she finds out, he finds out about Andrew. Andrew, fourth guy is thrown into the mix, right? Mm-hmm. It seems like that might just be another boyfriend or mm-hmm. just another, you know, sexual pal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, a fourth guy is thrown into the mix. That kind of forces Chandler's hand. Yep. Um, and, you know, he makes a, sorry. He makes a play, you know, he makes a, he makes a, he states his case for just having Aurora all to himself. Mm-hmm. She's having none of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, rightly so. I mean, I don't know Ethan, but I think I would prefer Ethan over Chandler as a long-term investment. What? Chandler's great. He's okay. Oh, He's, I love Chandler. You'd get very sick of his jokes quite quickly, oh, I, I would know. imagine. Oh, I know. go crazy. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, but he's more serious behind closed doors. You know, maybe just him and a girl, he could be kind of... Oh, I don't think so, Once though. he gets comfortable in a relationship. Well, the, you, you see it. He can't... He's never off. There's never an off moment for this guy. They're lying in bed. They're holding hands. He makes... You know, he's a... Drops what is apparently a very smooth line. He's like, God, I love these hands. And she's like, oh, thank you very much. <laughs> and, then, and he goes, oh, no, I was talking about my own. And you see, even in that, little, there's, 
it's like Chandler, there's there's no one else around. Let that guard down. You know, you're not a, you're know. not a performer. Just, just yeah. Well, this, at the same time, I just feel like you know they're still kind of new to each other. So it's still he's trying to win her over. Maybe oh, I'm I'm the funny one. I'm the one that you can just have a great time with and laugh with. But after you know a couple of years, I would God, I would hope that he could just be himself and not feel like he needs to make a joke about everything. Well, clearly she's looked around his bedroom and spotted that his um, laundry hamper is like a basketball net, which like leads <laughs> down into it, and has realized that this wise-cracking man-child is no suitable candidate for a long-term investment. So she's having none of it. And I think more power to her. Maybe it was the It's a Wonderful Life poster on his wall. Well, that's... Yeah, I mean, that's sending mixed messages, I suppose. But yeah, come on, Chandler. You're not in college anymore. Get get the movie po- posters down. Get rid of the basketball laundry hamper. Says you, movie poster <laughs> man. Uh, yeah, but I already... You know, I already tricked someone into marrying me, so... That's true. I already locked that down. A poor woman. Yep, I feel sorry for her. So, basically, his his thing is all kind of wrapped up in a couple of scenes. He He's having a great time, and then he wants something more. She's not wanting to commit. And... I guess, you know, you, you see him around uh, Monica and Rachel's later on and they try and they try and console him by saying, well, look at it this way. At least you dumped her. Um, is that... Can you get any solace from that fact? Yeah. You have more power. You have more power? Yeah. If you are the dumper as opposed to the dumpy, you have more power. But he laid down an ultimatum and she chose to not go along with that ultimatum. So then he... He had to. I guess in that situation, it's a little convoluted, but... You're fine I'd, with that? I'd say if you're the dumper, you you do have a little more power. Yeah, you're right. Chandler wins. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. I, I, mean, I think she wins. She still has three men hanging out. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that, But that shallow horror distance is only going to last her so far, Elizabeth. <laughs> so that's, that's Chandler's storyline all wrapped up with a nice bow on it. Meanwhile, while all of this is going on, old Joey has got himself an agent who's, who's landed him a big part. A dream role, uh, if you will, Elizabeth. You want to tell us about the part that he manages to, to, to land? Yes, he manages to land a role in an Al Pacino film. Mm-hmm. Where he oh, wow, that's acts, awesome. I know. Where he acts as Al Pacino's butt double. Butt double, as in there's a scene where Al Pacino goes into a shower. Yes. Uh, cut, because obviously Al Pacino doesn't have to show his own arse on, on film. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's 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 Joey that goes in. Mm-hmm. I bet his butt is nice. If I was Al Pacino, I'd say, hey, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. You think Al Pacino was involved in the audition process? No, but I'm sure they wouldn't choose someone that had a butt that wasn't up to Al Pacino's standards. So you don't think Joey's got saggy cheeks? Well, no, I, no, I He's don't. worryingly asking for moisturizer the day of the, <laughs> the shoot, which I'm thinking... He just doesn't know what to expect. He doesn't know that makeup artists are going to make his butt look all tan uh, and beautiful. Do you think that's what they would I, do? I can only picture, you know, what sort of <laughs> dried up cheeks that Joey's rocking if he, no, he's, he's like that worried No, he's like 25. Have you ever moisturized your butt? Have you yeah. ever felt any? Okay, I'll leave that there. <laughs> Who hasn't? So, so you just uh, like uh, omit that area when you're putting lotion on your body? I guess I never put lotion on my body. Oh. Oh. Well, in the winter time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Um, would you be happy with that role if you were like a, a struggling actor? Yes. Now, what sort of payment do you reckon you would get from from being a butt double in an Al Pacino movie in I'm the nineties, pretty... before Al Pacino became a bit of a 
well, his roles haven't been so stellar in the last decade or so. But in the 90s, this is sort of peak Pacino. Coming off the back of Heat. Michael no, Mann's Heat. No, I think that it would be really good. And every time you watch that movie, there's no chance, unless unless they cut that whole scene, that that would be cut. So you could be an extra with lines, and your scene could be cut. But pretty much if you if this is an Al Pacino scene, mm. most likely it probably won't get cut. So he, his butt will be there for every time anyone watches that movie. But what if Pacino gets, like, second thoughts in the editing room and he's like, oh, I don't want people to see your butt! Then it's cut. Like, yeah, it's gone. But I think that he has a good chance, and I think it's a good role. I don't know how much he would make, but I feel like being a body double is yeah. pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay, fair enough. Totally, right. because almost everyone has doubles. Mm-hmm. For, you know, stunts or whatever. And right, most people but know. that's really important to have a stunt double, but... Yeah, but even, you know, just I like just want to know, why is it, Why do you need to even see him in the shower? Or why why can't you just shoot him from the top? Like, why do you need to see his backside? I don't understand what kind of movie they're making, I suppose. I don't know. Yeah. Don't know. Yeah. I guess we'll never know. No, we won't. Uh, so anyway, Joey goes along. The friends, you know, they give him some... They give him some gentle ribbing. They have a field day with it, basically, teasing him about the fact that he's playing a butt double. They completely ignoring his happiness and elation and genuine excitement for 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 landing this role and just instead just use a lot of crass and lazy buttock humor uh-huh. i know i would be really proud of him like yeah it's silly but what if they said oh i'm his hand double or if it maybe if it wasn't <laughs> like a a part that's kind of so taboo yeah i don't know if they would be if they would react different i think that's good yeah. and al pacino I mean, you're al pacino's butt <laughs> honestly i think that's a, from a struggling actor I mm-hmm. think that's awesome. If you could land the role of anybody's butt double in Hollywood, who whose butt double would you want to be? So do I have to be a woman's butt? Well, I mean... Probably. Feasibly speaking, yeah. I mean, if you think that there's an effeminate gentleman, yeah, you could probably be Eddie Redmayne's butt. Because <laughs> of the freckles? Yeah, I guess so. I think I would be Scarlett Johansson's butt. Yeah? Yeah. I can see that. I'm okay with that. We're both kind of pale. Yeah. All right. Okay. Good work. We'll go with that. Fair enough. Whose butt would you be? Whose butt would I be? Um, I always get compared to a British actor called Danny Dyer, who I don't think you'll know. Mm. I'll, I'll show you a picture of him later. All right. So, but I suppose if I, I don't have to look too much. I, I guess it's really from behind. Yeah, it's not about so, what you look is like. From someone from behind. I'd like to go full circle. I'd like to be Matt LeBlanc's butt double. Oh, very well done. <laughs> Because I'd like to think if they ever like went full hog with this scene, Matt LeBlanc would be like, nah, I'm not doing this. You need to get someone to be my butt double for playing. And that could be me. I'd do that. It's it'd great. be like Inception. Yeah. So anyway, he goes along. He's very excited about it. He, he goes into the set. Um, and it doesn't go, doesn't go to plan. No. He tries very hard to make sure his butt is acting. Mm-hmm. So that could be clenching and or who, God knows what. But um, They do a couple of takes. The, it just the director's having none of it. I have to say, you know, yeah. watching this as a 11 or 12 year old, um, I didn't understand what was going wrong. Like, I, I, I didn't get the joke oh. first time around. I was like, what's happening? Why are they not happy with it? And the only, like, I was paying attention to his face during the first take where he's doing some sort of me, 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 me. He's like, doing like an Al Pacino thing. Is he? Yeah. Oh, is that what he's, he's trying he's to do? He's trying to be Al Pacino. But. Al Pacino isn't just like quietly muttering to himself in the shower. That you know, that's just what he chose to that do. Was his, and so <laughs> his obviously he was thinking. Can you about respect it. his acting choice? I can. Okay. So he was thinking about it, and then thinking of the situation that this Al Pacino character is going through, and thought that maybe he would be stressed, so he might be clenching his buttocks. Right. 
But that director did not like that, so they had to do a few takes, and no matter what he chose, it just wasn't up to what the director wanted. To be fair, the the director didn't tell him anything. He didn't say, in this scene, you've just come home, your wife's been killed, the the police chief wants your badge, you know, your your life is collapsing around you, or it's not like you've just been on a first date, and you're on Clyde Nine. Right, right, but... Uh, He's given him no no context. What's he meant to do? I think what he imagined that a butt double would do was stand there like normal. Mm-hmm. Right. Without clenching anything, just having your butt be as it is. Right. But like And I don't think he expected him to try to act But if he his was ass. like feeling down, he could do that thing where maybe you like lean one arm against it like the the side of the shower and you look down like like you've but got you're the weight of the world on your shower. There. You're just being filmed from your butt, maybe they're your just, lower back. You think they're just filming his butt? Yeah. You think they're just, like, there's no shots of his back or shoulder or head or... Yeah, because he's not his actual double. What he's kind of movie are double. they making, Elizabeth? Where they're it's just probably just filming a quick his... shot for all the ladies <laughs> out there. No, they're ah. filming all of them in the shower, surely. I don't think so. You don't think... <laughs> I don't think so. Maybe his lower back, up to his mid-back, but no. What kind of movie is this? I think, you know, you see quick shots of butts here and there. Not guy butts, honey. Yes, you do. Not really. Yes, you do. Mm. Yes. The, the real tragedy is, I suppose, we'll never know. It's true, because well, he gets fired. He does get fired. Well, yes, he gets fired, and he goes home, and the friends, they, they make him feel better. You know, they're they're there for him. <laughs> and and I guess that's really what this episode, I guess what this show is really about. It's about friendship. Oh, is it? I, That's something I really realized in this episode, <laughs> that this sitcom, it's about friendship, you know. The, the weight of the world is on your shoulders. Life mm. is kicking your ass, you know. All no one told right. them life was going to be this way. <laughs> All, right, All right, move along. Okay. Um, so, yeah, he goes home. The friends make him feel better. There's... That's the two main storylines. There is, like, a little... There's not really a third plot. There's a little part where... The character of Monica is more explored. Yeah, it's not really a plot. It's 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 just like a filler, I think, mm. to show that other people are doing things at the same time. Yeah, so like early on in the episode, they come home and Rachel has kind of cleaned and rearranged the furniture a little bit. Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, oh, bad move, Rachel. Moving Monica's furniture around, that's that's asking for trouble. And sure yeah. enough... Sure enough, Monica is is having none of that futon being moved a few feet to the right. Just the ottoman. The just, ottoman? Just the part where you put your feet. Yep, okay. the ottoman. And... and you're on. You're on Team Monica. You're I'm, with her completely. I'm totally. Because first of all, if anyone sat in that seat, it would block the TV, mm-hmm. and it does look better with the chair. Mm-hmm. Like if someone wanted to say, "Oh, we're playing a game around the coffee table. Let me move this and have mm-hmm. a seat there." It, it's easily moved, and I just think it looked crazy there by itself. I loved later on in the episode, as if in some like insane passive aggressive way to hammer her point home. Monica is sitting on the floor in the exact same spot, presumably very uncomfortable, but damn it, you know, having back spasms, but damn it, she is not going to move that ottoman over to, to give uh, Rachel the justification or to make her make her feel like she's won. It looked weird. I agree with Monica. <laughs> you like things a certain way. If you are a Virgo or just very anal retentive or both, you like things a certain way. Mm-hmm. And it looked good. So that, Monica had it. So that's kind of um, brought up throughout the episode. Again, not really a, a plot line, but they just kind of bring up the fact that Monica likes things a certain way. She's a little bit fussy. She she has her own way of doing things. And they, they again, just like they do with all the friends, they, they 
they see that flaw and they pounce on it and uh, mercilessly make fun of it because <laughs> that's the, what friends do that's what friends do and these people have, have nothing going on in their lives and presumably ross's lesbian ex-wife isn't doing anything this week so they they don't have any ammunition on him and so. no one has any jobs of course <laughs> still you don't even see rachel working in central park this week Mm-mm. you see gunther there trying to do his job before we before we wrap up, I did catch a couple of extra things for our, our friends drinking game, which I would like to to add to the agenda. Ooh. So we've got um, sightings of Gunther, one drink from past episodes. Um, Joy being dumb, one drink. Phoebe being kooky and weird, one drink. Monica being anal. God, you would be hammered Ooh. after this episode. Yeah, you would. But I'm um, adding a couple to the, the the two drinks columns from this one. I, starting to notice a shocking, and this is maybe a sign of the times and something that we'll see less in seasons to go, but a shocking amount of turtlenecks in this episode. Oh, turtlenecks, yeah. Every well, not episode. In this, no, not in this episode, sorry. But yeah, there's a worrying amount of tur- turtlenecks in every episode. I'm sure we saw Joey wear one on a date. Oh, yeah. And now Monica's rocking a, a bright red one in her own living room. Mm-hmm. So yeah, turtlenecks, definitely. And then... <laughs> Right towards the end of the episode, Monica's getting ready for bed. She's saying goodnight to everybody, leans over, gives Ross an uncomfortable smooch on the cheek. So any any Ross and Monica touchy-feeliness, I think, has is, is got to be worth two drinks in our drinking game. Well, I mean, I only noticed that because she's going to bed, and the only person... She said goodnight to everyone, but the only person she actually kissed goodnight was her brother. And they probably are just very close, but it just seemed weird. <sighs> they just they, To me, they just seem like they're, they're dating. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Like... It's one thing if you see, like, you have your family over for Thanksgiving or something, and you see them a couple of times a year, and mm-hmm. you're like, "I'm going to night, I'm going to bed, night night." Yeah, but she sees lovely him seeing every you. day. They do nothing but spend time together. Like, yeah, yeah it's weird, isn't uh-huh. it? It's Two weird. drinks for that. Mm-hmm. Just wait till season drunk. four when they have a drunken night out together. Ooh. Oh god! No, I'm just kidding. Oh boy, there is no, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. That's that. That kind of wraps it all up. Um, yeah, Joey is made to feel better. He blew his big break, but they convince him that it wasn't a big break. Uh, Chandler is pathetic and alone as he was at the beginning. Phoebe had a couple of lines. Um, yeah. <laughs> she made Joey feel better. She yeah. Well, she made him feel really bad at the beginning. She had the most probably the most cutting of the the criticism to his play at the beginning of the episode and pr- probably my funniest line of the, of, of the whole episode when um naturally like someone like he's like oh i got an agent for yeah she must have seen the play and i've got an agent hiring me and phoebe goes based on this play and then everyone sort of goes oh that's a bit mean and she goes based on this play you know she says the same line but puts a different inflection on i liked it anyway phoebe's winning me over ever so slightly yay so, so that was the one with the butt not a classic i think it's fair to say mm, yeah. i was like I was surprised the ending just kind of came out of nowhere. Like, yeah, I, I almost yeah. felt like th- that was 20 minutes, that was 22 minutes. Like, mm-hmm. there was, yeah, there just wasn't, maybe it was because we had two plots instead of three going on, or, but yeah, there just wasn't an awful lot of bulk to this. It was a bit of a, bit of a throwaway episode. Yep. Well, what's next, Michael? Next up we have, well, this is an interesting one. Episode seven of season one is the one with the blackout, um, which... If you know you've seen season one, you'll remember uh, a blackout hits New York City. Mm, yes, Chandler yes. gets trapped in an ATM vestibule, uh, and there's some interesting things about that. Not just with um, 
with this episode of Friends, but in a wider context with the the whole network that the that Friends has aired on. But we'll we'll talk about that for for next time. Can't wait. Well, anyway, guys, that is our show. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you would like to hear more about the show and just kind of join in the the fun and games online and and the world of social media, uh, we we finally have a Twitter set up, Ooh, Elizabeth. Yeah, Twitter. Um, so you can give us a follow at FriendsPod. Friends pod. Yeah, we, we, we landed that exclusively. I can't believe that was available for all the countless friends podcasts that there presumably are. But uh, competition. Hmm? Our competition. Our competition, yeah. We're coming for you, all you other friends pods, I guess. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, give us a follow on Twitter. There'll be another episode up in a week or so's time. Thanks very much for listening. See you next time. Bye. Bye buddy.